It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I think we're good now, ready to go. Find somebody around you. Say, good morning, neighbor. Ask them, are you ready to hear from the Lord this morning? And then we'll pause. Awkward silence. See if they answer. Did they answer? If they didn't answer, well, who'd you ask, Chuck? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Did you answer, Chuck? Oh, see, Chuck's telling on somebody else. He didn't answer either. Chuck, you ready to hear from the Lord this morning? Amen. God's good, isn't he? God is good. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, looking at a few verses this morning. What we find is, we look here at the end of this chapter, we find that Jesus and his followers, as well as a large band of pilgrims, are making their way to Jerusalem, and they have made their way at this point through the great city of Jericho. So let me develop a little bit of context to help bring this to light. First of all, I think we need to understand the magnificence of the place uh, that they've just come through. Uh, King Herod had poured tons of money into the city of Jericho. Now, many of you, when I say the word Jericho, your mind probably goes to the Old Testament city, and that of which Joshua and his, uh, his people, they marched round and round and round and round, and the walls did what? The walls came down, right? So uh, that was the old city of Jericho. We find in the New Testament that a new city had been rebuilt, probably about a mile or so from the old city. And uh, in this time, King Herod had poured tons of money into the city of Jericho. He had built for himself a, uh, a winter palace there. He had fortified it greatly. Uh, Jericho was a place of great prominence. It was a place of great influence. It was a magnificent city. And yet when Jesus came to Jericho, Jesus did not stop in Jericho. The Bible says in verse number 46 that they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho... You see, Jesus did not stop in Jericho to see the palace. Jesus did not stop in Jericho to to grab a brochure from the visitor center. He didn't go on the the who's who's bus tour uh, to see where all of the prominent people lived in the city of Jericho. Though Jericho was a magnificent place, Jesus didn't stop in Jericho. I think we also need to understand this morning as we develop the context a little bit, not only the magnificence of the place, but also the magnitude of his purpose. You see, Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to give himself as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. It was time. It was time for him to present himself as that sacrifice for our sin. You know, no greater purpose has ever existed. Jesus, in that moment, headed to Jerusalem. And Jesus, he didn't stop for the magnificence of the place because Jesus couldn't stop because of the magnitude of his purpose. None of this caused or allowed Jesus a moment's hesitation on his journey. And yet we find in the word of God that there was something in the city of Jericho that literally stopped the Son of God in his tracks. And that is the misery of one person. Bartimaeus, by our standards, was a down-and-outer. He survived by the welfare system of his day, begging in the streets. Thousands passed by him every day of his life. Few even paused long enough to toss a coin his way. Everyone walked by. But my Bible says that in that moment, 
Jesus stood still. Let that sink in. Jesus was busy. Jesus was burdened. At this point in time, there was literally about one week until the crucifixion. One week until he would drink that cup. Yet with everything going on, in Mark chapter 10, the Bible says that Jesus stood still like Bartimaeus was the only one in the world. You know, as we look at this passage this morning, no doubt there are many, there are many who are struggling. You know, we face health issues, we face financial issues, we face sin and its consequences. Some of us, we face transition, we face the unknown. No doubt there are a lot of people this morning who are struggling with burdens that just seem overwhelming to bear. And I'm going to tell you, many times in this life, it seems like no one else knows. No one else knows. Sometimes it seems that no one else can even know. All that you feel. We're going to look this morning in Mark chapter 10. And I want you to see so clearly through the word of God. This one simple truth. You matter to God. You matter to God. Oh yes he is high. And he is holy. And he is awesome. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And yes, he is the sovereign lord of all the universe. And he's busy and, and he's got a plan that he is working out. But in spite of all of that, you need to know this morning while everyone else passes by, he is standing still ready to meet you right where you are. So we need to see this this morning, this thought of and Jesus stood Still, look with me. We're going to pick up in verse number 46. The Bible says, And when they came to Jericho, and, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I want you to see, first of all, this morning, the cry of a hurting soul. The cry of a hurting soul. It's hard to miss the dilemma that's in front of us. Bartimaeus was blind. Bartimaeus was a beggar. Bartimaeus had no real hope. Bartimaeus had no real help. Bartimaeus' need was never-ending. He had a very desperate dilemma that he faced every single day. No real hope. No real help. You know, I, I have been moved in recent weeks and months as the Lord has just brought to light around me the people who are hurting. You know, there are so many hurting people in this world. There are so many hurting people in our church, people who are hurting from loss, people who are hurting and, and, and struggling with the unknown, people who are hurting and, and, and carrying burdens and, and dealing with, with, with strongholds and addictions and sins. There are so many hurting people, and some people hurt openly, and we can see their hurt, and there are many others who, who hurt hiddenly, and, and nobody else Nobody else, sometimes not even the people who are closest to them, know the burdens that they really bear. There is a lot of hurt in this world. And church, this is not a new thing. 
You know, some of it's been brought to our attention in recent months, but it's not a new thing. Way back in Job, Job 14 and verse number 1, Job said this. He said that, that man is born, that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, made this comment about man, his state, and, and the work that he accomplishes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Man, I've been there. You lay there at night and you just can't sleep. That is awful. Because it's not like your mind goes to happy places. And it's not like it's an enjoyable time. We see here the dilemma, the desperate situation that this man felt. There is so much hurt. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, you need to know that you're not alone. But I want you to notice this about this man, not just his dilemma, but his desperation. You see, when we get there, it's easy for us to throw a pity party, isn't it? We we like to, in our own hearts, sing the blues. Nobody knows. The trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. We like to think that we're all alone in the world and and that there's nothing that can be done and and all just woe is us and woe is me and and we do the Eeyore thing and and we we just kind of moan and groan. It's easy to throw a pity party. It's easy to look at, no pun intended for blind Bartimaeus, what everybody else has and what we think we need. But I want you to note the determination here. Bartimaeus was blind, but you know what? He could hear. The Bible says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Bartimaeus was blind, but he could hear. You see, Bartimaeus may have been blind, but he could speak. Because when Jesus passed by, when he heard that it was Jesus, what did he do? He lifted up his voice and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Here's the glorious truth as we get started this morning. You may be in a situation where you have an incredibly difficult burden to bear, and you just don't know where the Lord is. But the reality is, is if you seek him, he will make himself known to you. You might not be able to see, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord will let you hear. You might not be able to see, but I'm going to tell you, you can cry out with your voice. And if you seek the Lord, He will reveal Himself to you. And Bartimaeus, he cried out to Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Can I point out a couple of things about this cry this morning? Number one, it was a holy cry. Jesus, son of David. You know, he, you know who he doesn't cry to? He doesn't cry to the doctor. He doesn't cry to his mama. He doesn't cry to Facebook. He doesn't cry to the boss man. He doesn't cry to his spouse. He cries out to Jesus. It was a holy cry. He cried to the one who could actually do something to help him. By the way, as believers, that ought to be our first response, not our last resort. That we cry out to Jesus. It was a holy cry. Let me give you another thought. It was a humble cry. Bartimaeus said, have mercy on me. A humble cry. Think about this. Bartimaeus didn't say, Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, fix this. He didn't say, hey, about time you got here. He didn't say, Jesus, I am handicapped, therefore I deserve this. 
He didn't say any of that. Hold on, Bartimaeus was needy, but he wasn't entitled. He may have been needy, but he wasn't entitled. He simply asked for mercy. James chapter 4 and verse number 6, there it reminds us, but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You see the cry this morning of a hurting heart. It was a holy cry. It was a humble cry. I'm going to tell you, we, we have to fight the urge. We cannot come to Jesus with a sense of entitlement. Hear me, you didn't get your bad from Jesus. So we would do well to stop telling him what we think we need and start asking him Asking him for what we really need, and that is mercy. Mercy. You see this morning the cry of a hurting soul. But I also want you to see this morning the crowd of hindering spectators. Verse 47, the Bible says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, say it with me, church, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And then he charged him that he should hold his peace. That's a polite way of saying, they told him, be quiet, shut his, shut his mouth. But what did he do? He cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You see the cry of a hurting soul, but we also see the crowd of hindering spectators. Bartimaeus was demeaned. The, the crowd of pilgrims that was with Jesus told Bartimaeus to be quiet. They told him, shut his mouth. They were taken aback probably, maybe even embarrassed by his bold move. Hey, this is not how things are done. This is, this is not the place where people like you belong. This is not how people like you engage with people like us. And so for him to do that in front of Jesus, they were taken aback. They were embarrassed because they looked down on Bartimaeus. In their opinion, he was not worth slowing the group down for. Because you've got to remember, this group had important places to go. Where were they going? They were going to Jerusalem. They were going to the capital. They had important places to go. Why were they going to Jerusalem? Because it was the time of the Passover. That's the most important holiday in the, in the Jewish culture. And so they had important places to go. And they had important things to do. And Bartimaeus just wasn't important enough to get in their way. And so they demeaned him. They criticized him. They ostracized him. And how many of us know people will do that? People will look down on us. People will ostracize us, demean us, criticize us. You look at the Bible and we see many such examples of this. The one time, you remember Jesus was at, was at, was at a meal with the Pharisees and there was a woman who was known to be a sinner who came and anointed Jesus and, and washed his feet with her tears and, and dried with her hair. And, and what was the Pharisee's response? Hmm. If he knew what kind of woman she was, 
he wouldn't let her anywhere near him. But it's not just the Pharisees. It's not just the bad guys who do this. You look earlier in Mark chapter 10. And the Bible talks about how how they were bringing children to Jesus. That Jesus might bless the children. And what was the disciples' response to the people's desire to bring the children to Jesus? They said, no, 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 no. Don't trouble Jesus with the children. No, 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 no. Don't bother Jesus with this. You see, the disciples felt that the children weren't worthy of inconveniencing Jesus' time. Inconveniencing his schedule. I'm going to tell you, sadly, this is not uncommon. I'm going to tell you, you get serious about seeking Jesus. You get serious about seeking help. You get serious about, about having God's hand of power on your life. You get serious about, about knowing God's grace. You get serious about this thing of living for Jesus and getting to Jesus. And I guarantee you, the critics will come out of the woodworks. It kind of reminds me of that old comic strip, that Charlie Brown comic strip where, where, where Lucy says to Charlie Brown, you, Charlie Brown, are a foul ball in the line drive of life. You are often in the shadow of your own goalposts. You're a miscue. You're a three-putt on the 18th green. You're a 7-10 split in the 10th frame. You're a dropped rod and reel in the lake of, lake of life. You're a missed free throw. A shanked nine iron, a called third strike, a bug on the windshield of life. Do you understand? Have I made myself clear? Bartimaeus was demeaned. But I love Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus was determined. You see, you look at this scripture and you know what we find? We find that Bartimaeus would not be silenced. When told to shut it down, the Bible says he turned it up. That he cried the more a great deal. How many of us recognize this morning that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man still availeth much? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man still availeth much. And here's the thing, church. We need to get to Jesus. We need the power of God on our life. We need his help. We need his power. We need his grace. And If we're going to get what we need, we can't let the fickle crowd control us. Because you see, here's the crazy thing about the crowd. The same crowd that was with Jesus there, that band of pilgrims, that great multitude, oh, they cheered Jesus that day. But about seven days from now, they would be cheering something totally different. They'd be cheering, crucify him. Crucify him, away with him. So church, if we look to the approval of the crowd before we cry out for help, here's the reality, we will never find the help that we need. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25 puts it this way. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Church, if not for glorified bodies, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there probably be critics in heaven. 
But let me ask you, what's stopping you from coming to Christ today? What's stopping you from getting saved? You know, there are some here, and, and, and they've dealt with these nagging doubts in their heart. Preacher, I, if you were honest today, you would have to say, I don't really know where I stand with God. You'd have to say, I don't really know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. You'd have to say, I don't really know that my sins are forgiven. Let me ask you, what is stopping you from getting saved today? What stands in your way? Why is it that even this morning you won't, you won't get my attention, get someone's attention and, and come and, and pray with someone and trust the Lord Jesus? What stands in your way of getting saved today? What stands in your way of getting right today? Some of you have struggled with this stronghold of sin for so, so very long. And you have told yourself, you believe the lie that, well, I'm just going to have to live with this sin that so easily besets me. No, the Bible says that, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that Jesus is the truth that will finally set you free. What's stopping you this morning from getting right? What's stopping you this morning from, from confessing these sins to God and, and finding that forgiveness and restoring that relationship? What's stopping you from getting right? What's stopping you from getting help? You're drowning. You're drowning under this burden. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're tempted to think, well, people should just know. Pe people should just know that I'm struggling. And if people really cared, they would know, they would see, and they would help. Can I in love this morning say, you've got to get over yourself. See, here's what happens. We are a body. And just like our physical body, our, the spiritual body of Christ is supposed to work. And so if there is something wrong with my knee, what does it do? It cries out for help. Right? If there's something wrong with my back, what does my back do? It cries out for help. You know, it's the things that don't cry out for help that will destroy you. It's that you don't know something's wrong in the heart. It's that you don't know that cancer is slowly growing. It's the things that don't cry out for help that will destroy the body. Hear me, church. What is keeping you from getting the help that you need? And saying, church, I'm, I'm struggling. I need some help. I need some prayer. I need some support. I need my friends. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. What is stopping you this morning from getting the help and support you need? Hear me, whatever it is. Well, I, I don't know what people will think. Who cares what they think? If you're not saved this morning, can I tell you? Who cares what they think? They're not worth going to hell for. But they think I'm saved. Who cares? but they think I'm okay. Who cares what they think? They're not worth going to hell. They're not worth living in hurt. They're not worth that. I wondered this morning, you consider the hindering spectators. They're only a hindrance if you let them be, though. 
Bartimaeus had some determination to get to Jesus. Church, as we look at the story, we see, number one, the cry of the hurting soul. We, we see, number two, the crowd of, of hindering spectators. But I, I want you to note this morning how this account ends. We'll, we'll, pick up, uh, we'll pick up Don, if we could, in verse number 48. The Bible says, And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I love those next four words. Would you read them in unison together with me? The Bible says, and Jesus stood still. And Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, rise, he, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. So we've seen the cry of the hurting soul. We've seen the crowd of hindering spectators. Could we see thirdly this morning the care? Of the healing Savior. The care of the healing Savior. The Bible says, and Jesus stood still. He didn't stop for the magnificence of the city. He, he didn't stop. He had, a, he had a purpose that he had set himself to go see. But when Bartimaeus cried, the Bible says, Jesus stood still. He stopped. You've got to know this morning that Jesus genuinely cares that Jesus genuinely cares for you he cared for the blind beggar on the side of the road in fact when Matthew tells this story in Matthew 20 in verse number 34 he says it this way and Jesus had compassion on them Jesus cares he cared for the blind beggar on the side of the road. He, he cared for the woman taken in the very act of adultery. The crowd was ready to stone her. But Jesus cared. He cared for the thief dying beside him on the cross. Jesus cares. You've got to know this morning that Jesus cares you. Isaiah 41 in verse number 13, a beautiful verse. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Boy, that's one to mark in the Bible, isn't it? That God would hold my hand. You see how, what a tender picture that is. That's something that a parent would do for a child. To reach down and hold their hand and say, don't be afraid. I'm going to help you. I'm here. And that's what God does for us. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not. I will help thee. Jesus cares for you. I love the song Mrs. Wiesner played there for, for the offertory. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Too deeply for mirth and song. 
As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. One should know this morning that you've never fallen too low for the reach of the Savior. He cares. I want you to know this morning that your feet are never too stuck in the miry clay that He cannot set you right. He cares. I want you to know this morning that your grief is never greater than His grace. He cares. That's why we're admonished in 1 Peter chapter 5 to cast all our care upon Him. Why? Why? Because He cares for us. He stopped. He cares. But as we consider the care of the Savior this morning, we need to see not just that He stopped, but that He summoned. The Bible says, And Jesus stood still and commanded Him to be called. You know what Jesus did here? Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. Now, with no sight and with a pressing crowd, Bartimaeus wasn't going to get to Jesus on his own. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. But the Bible says that Jesus not just, didn't just stop, but that he summoned. Jesus made a way for Bartimaeus to get to him. And Jesus will make a way for you. Here's the thing. If God can part the Red Sea to make a way for the children of Israel to pass over into the other side. And if God can make a way, you know, look at the New Testament. The greatest way that God has ever made. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus can make a way for you and I who are wicked and sinful to go to the Father, to be a part of the family of God, if Jesus uh, could, could, could make a way to tear that veil, to, to remove what separates us and God, if Jesus can make a way for us to get to God, here's the thing, Jesus can make a way for you to get through whatever it is you're going through. Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. Now, can I, can, I, can I note this as well? Because this is going to be so, so important for us in a minute. In a minute, we're going to have a time of invitation. And an invitation is what? It's simply a time where we are invited to respond to God. Some of you, God is speaking to. Some of you need to get saved. You know your soul is not right with God. Some of us, we know that, that, that we, we need to confess that sin and we need to restore that relationship. Some of us just need to come this morning and cry out to God and, and seek help and support in all of those things. This morning, God is speaking to us. And in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to Him. Here's the thing, though. When Jesus called, hear me, when Jesus called, Bartimaeus came. And that is so important. Because some of us, the devil will whisper in your ear, oh, you don't need to respond to that right now. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it next week. You can do it at some other time. No, if Jesus is calling, you need to come. Because here's the thing. You search the scriptures, Jesus would never pass through Jericho again. Whether he realized it or not, this was Bartimaeus' one shot to find the help that he needed. The care of the healing Savior, he stopped. He summoned. 
and he set him free. Jesus gave Bartimaeus his sight. I love the fact that we serve a God who specializes in problems that we cannot solve. We serve a God who specializes in things considered hopeless. Jesus gave him his sight. Jesus also gave him direction and purpose. Did you notice what happened at the end of verse 52? And immediately he received his sight. And what did he do with it, church? The end of verse 52 says, And he followed Jesus in the way. Jesus set him free. I wonder who this morning could give him praise because we know that when we come to Jesus that he truly has the power to set us free. Jesus changes everything. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I love the fact as well, Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he wanted. Did you notice that? Verse 51, Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto you? I mean, duh, right? He's blind. He wants to be healed. He wants to receive his sight. But here's the thing we got to remember. Jesus didn't ask to find out what Bartimaeus needed. Jesus knew. Jesus didn't ask to find out what the need was. Jesus asked to find out if Bartimaeus believed. Bartimaeus made that confession in front of that crowd, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Here's the thing, Jesus is here. You know, we purposely invited him in this morning at the start of the service. We, purpose, we went to Psalm 24, lift up, O ye gates, and the king will come in. We sang the king is coming. We stopped this morning and intentionally invited the Lord Jesus into the midst. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 20 that where two or three are gathered together in his name, that there he is in the midst of them. Do we have at least two or three in the house this morning? Jesus is here. But here's the thing, when Jesus arrived today, if I can... Put it this way, Jesus didn't stop to look at our impressive facility. He didn't stop to check out the new playground. It's pretty cool, isn't it? He didn't didn't stop to check out the new playground. He didn't go on a tour of the radio station. He didn't pause to take in our sound room, our projectors, the the fancy sconce lighting on the walls. None of that gave him even a moment of pause. But I'll tell you this, this morning, if you'll cry out to him, he'll stand still for you. He'll stand still for you. Meet you right where you are. Help you right where you need. He invites you to come this morning to find freedom even in your burden. Through his sufficient grace. This morning, I, I want to give a specific invitation in a twofold way. Number one, probably a number of people, we just need to seek the Lord this morning. We need to cry out. We just need to cry out for the help that we need. Jesus, have mercy on me. There's some things in my life, some burdens I'm carrying, some things that I'm facing, and I just don't know what to do. 
If that's you this morning and Jesus is calling, you need to come. You need to come. But I want to give you a second thought this morning. You know, Bartimaeus didn't make it to Jesus on his own. I guarantee you somebody helped him there. And I wonder if you're here this morning, maybe God has laid somebody on your heart who you know is struggling. That maybe this morning you could just slip over to that person and just have a word of prayer with them. Let them know that they are not missed, that they are not forgotten. Church, whatever the need this morning, Jesus is ready to stand still for us.